0: I certainly want to end our mini-series on Thanksgiving as, as we have called it, thanks and giving. We've, we've taken that word and we've split it apart and we've talked about those two elements, how we as human beings, the more thankful we are, the more grateful we are, the more that we have that kind of heart, the more uh, we will give, the more we will be people who are gracious in our giving. And so we focused on those two elements and I want to end our little mini-series By taking us to the Old Testament and looking at an offering that Israel was told to give. And I want us to see how they gave. Where that kind of generous spirit came from and and what it resulted in. And I I want us to to really apply that to us today and, and ask some questions about ourselves. How do we as believers view giving and Where does that gratitude come from and how they are related? So there's a lot that we're going to read. We're going to read Exodus 35, 4 through 29, and then verses 3 through 7 of chapter 36. And it's not that I want to skip the part I'm going to skip. It just reiterates um, what they gave. And I think you'll get the point even without reading every single one of those verses in chapter 36. So let's start in chapter 4 of Exodus 35. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing the Lord has commanded. When you see the word Lord there with a capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, you can say Yahweh. To the people of Israel, this is the thing that Yahweh has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to Yahweh. Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring Yahweh's contribution: gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine-twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ramskins, and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense and onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breast piece. Verse 10, let every skillful skillful craftsman among you come and make all that Yahweh has commanded. The tabernacle and its tent and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases. The ark With its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen. The table with its poles and all its utensils and the bread of the presence. The lampstand also for the lights with its utensils and its lamps and the oil for the light and the altar of incense with its poles and its anointing oil and its fragrant incense and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle. And the altar of burnt offering for its grating of bronze, its poles and its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its basis and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and the cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place and the holy garments for Aaron and the priest and the garments of his sons for their service as priest. Then as the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses... They came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought Yahweh's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women. All who were of a willing heart brought brooches, brooches, sorry, and earrings, and signet rings, and armlets all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord, and everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tan ram skins and goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver and bronze brought it as Yahweh's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod, for the breast piece. And spices and oils for lights and the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. And then go to chapter 36, verse 3. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary they still kept bringing him freewill offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. For the material they had had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Let's pray before we look at this text. Lord, I come to you and I thank you, God, for everything you have given us. We are a a people that are blessed beyond measure. Lord, if we were to sit here Today and recount all of your blessings, we would never leave. We would be here day after day after day giving testimony and and tribute to you for what you have done in our lives. And Lord, we know that as a a people, as we become thankful, as we recount your blessings, as we, we think about the gracious gifts you have given us, Lord, there's no way we can't be a giving people. There's simply no way that we can't be a people of generosity and graciousness. I pray, Lord, that we would learn this truth in even a deeper way today as we, we look at this text and we break down exactly what has happened in it and what we can learn from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The, First thing I want you to see is that this offering that was given by the people came from the willing. It came from those people who really wanted to do it. Now, we got to remember what this is coming on the heels of, okay? So Israel has just worshipped the golden calf. Moses is up on Mount Sinai and he is getting the Ten Commandments. He's going to get the rest of the law from Yahweh and he's supposed to come down and deliver that to the people. And when he comes down, Israel has made an idol out of a golden calf and they are worshiping this idol. Or worshiping through this idol. Either way, they are in rebellion to God. And God, in His graciousness, does not wipe Israel off the face of the earth. It would not have been wrong or harsh or mean for God to say, I'm done with you people. I just brought you out of Egypt. I just parted a sea for you, allowed you to walk on dry ground. I wiped out the Egyptian army and you didn't lift a finger. And as soon as Moses goes away and you've got to wait for any amount of time for instruction, you go into rebellion and idolatry. It would not have been wrong of God to say, I'm done with you. Instead, he graciously grants them repentance and decides to enter into a covenant with them instead of wiping them out. Think about the graciousness that that is. Instead of wiping them out, he instead grants them repentance and then steps into a covenant with these people. That is what is, this story is coming on the heels of that. God is now saying, and not only do I want to enter into covenant with you, I want you to come and have a relationship with me and worship me and enter into this, this intimate bond between me and you. And I want a place for you to come and do that. So let's build a tent of meeting. Eventually that would become a temple, a permanent place, but I want to I want to make a tent. Write A temporary temple for you to come and worship me. And in order for that to happen, I want you guys to give. So I want you to see the giving that comes from Israel is the result of the graciousness of God. They shouldn't even be alive to be able to give. We just want to be... Real with it. They shouldn't even be there in order to give. At least just dismiss them and not enter a covenant with them. But they, God enters into a covenant with them. So the kindness and the graciousness and the love of God is what moves in them to give. Notice what it says about who gave. In verse 5 it says, whoever is of generous heart. Verse 21, whoever's heart stirred in him and the spirit moved in him and their spirit moved in them. Verse 22, all who had a willing heart. Verse 29, all the men and women, the people of Israel whose heart moved in them. How in the world did they go from hearts of idolatry to hearts willing to give and moved to give? I would argue it is because of the graciousness of God. Because as they began to think about How God has just been gracious and giving and loving and kind and generous with them. that As they begin to recount that and think about what God has done for them, their hearts got stirred and they became willing to give. Romans chapter 2 verse 4, Paul says, The kindness of God leads us to repentance. And it was this kindness of God based on the love and grace of God that moved in these people to give. They didn't scoff at God telling them to give. They didn't give begrudgingly. They gave willingly. There was a zeal to give. There was a passion to give. Verse 20 says, all the congregation and the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses and they came. They went from hearing what Moses said needed to be done, they all went right back to their tents, got what was needed, and they started bringing it. Every morning they brought more. Next morning they brought more. The next morning they brought more. This willingness to give, this zeal to give, this passion to give, immediately they want to give. But it was the, the thankfulness, the gratitude for what God has done that moved them to give. Second Corinthians chapter nine, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Doesn't bless the Lord for us to give begrudgingly. Doesn't glorify him and honor him for us to give. Being frustrated. So I have to ask the same question of myself and of us. Is this the way we give? Do we contemplate the goodness, the kindness, the graciousness, the gifts, and the blessings of God in such a way that it stirs our heart to give? Do we think enough on the blessings and the gifts and the graciousness and the kindness and the love of God and how, what he has done in our lives and what he has given us in our lives? Do we think through that enough that our heart is stirred? That our hearts become willing? That we, desire, we all of a sudden are filled with this passion and zeal to give? I think it's a question that's worth pondering and thinking about. Second thing I want you to see about this offering, not only was it an offering of the willing, but this offering was according to ability. It was according to ability. Those who had gold brought gold. Those who had purple and blue and scarlet yarn, guess what they brought? Purple and blue and scarlet yarn. Those who had fine linens or goat hair or tanned ramskins or goat skins brought them. Those who had silver and bronze brought silver and bronze. Those who had acacia wood brought wood. Those who had onyx stones brought stones. Those who had spices and oils and fragrance brought spices and oil and fragrance. God didn't ask them to give what they didn't have. God didn't say, I need you to give what you don't have. He says, give what you have. Give out of the blessings I've given you. If I've given you stuff, then be willing to give that back. Every person gave something, but not everybody gave the same thing. There were people there that had gold and there were people there who had spices. And if you didn't have gold, you weren't required to bring gold. You were required to bring what you had. Give oil if you've got oil. If you've got spice, give spice. If you've got wood, give wood. It'll all be used. It will all be needed. But everybody is going to bring something. But it was according to ability. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 17, continuing in the Mosaic law. God says, every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of Yahweh, thy God, which he has given you. So as we think about what God has given us, we think about the blessings that we have, we think about His graciousness and His kindness and His goodness, we will then be thinking about what He has given us, the gifts and all this. We'll be thinking about the tangible things He's given us, and then we give from that ability. There are people in this room who have more wealth than other people in this room. God is not going to require that everybody give the same amount. What he's going to require is that everybody give something according to how God has blessed you. And you may say, well, I'm not as blessed as that person over there. Well, it just depends on what you're talking about. The New Testament repeats this same principle. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 two, every man is to give as God had prospered him. So you give as God has prospered you. So we see, give as he is able, according to the blessing, give as he has prospered you. The book of Acts gives a practical example. In Acts chapter 11, 29, the disciples sent relief to their brethren. And every man, is what it says, did according to his ability. Ability. So each believer should give to the Lord corresponding how the Lord has prospered him, according to the blessings that God has given. This is why, if you you want to get motivated to give, you say, I'm just not really motivated to give. Just not really excited to give. I'm not really zealous to give. I'm not really passionate to give. Then I challenge you to do this. Sit down, take a piece of paper and a pen, and start writing the blessings of God in your life. Start writing how he has prospered you, how he has blessed you. The ability that he has given you. That will become a motivator for your giving. And here's why. Because it reorients our minds to what we have, not what we would be losing by giving. Let me say that again. It reorients our minds to what we have, not what we would be losing by what we give. I mean, it's easy to get your contribution statement at the end of the year and be like, man, what could I have spent all that money on? Let's, I mean, let's be real, right? Like you can look at that contribution record, you can see how much you've given, you're like, I "Could have put a pool in the backyard. Could have gone on another vacation. Could have done this, could have done that. But what happens is, is when we are, when our minds are rightly oriented, when we're thinking properly, we, our flesh may say that, But then our spirit, the new man says, but look at all of the ministry I was a part of with this gift. It's not about what you are missing out on. It's about what you've been able to do. And the motivator for that is to sit down and think about how I've been prospered, how God has prospered me, how I've been blessed, what I am able to do. And you give from that prosperity. You give from that blessing. You give from how God has given to you. And that's what Israel did. They gave according to their, their ability. These, now these willful hearts, these passionate hearts to give, go back to their tents and they look at everything God has given them. They go back to their home and they look at everything God has done for them. By the way, do you know how they got this stuff? This is crazy to think about. You know how they got all that stuff? Remember, they were just slaves in Egypt. They didn't have a lot to begin with. You know how they got all that stuff? God said, I am going to move in the Egyptians' heart to give stuff to you. So they're getting ready to leave Egypt. God tells them, I want you to get ready. When it's time to go, it's time to go. And I'm going to move in the Egyptians' heart to give you stuff as you go. So let's imagine that you're watching this. You've got Egyptians who own these slaves, who have been slaves for them, worked for them, done all this. I mean, these people have not been treated well at all. And all of a sudden, all the Egyptians that own slaves go, you know what, I need to give you a bunch of gold as you leave here. I, I need to give you a bunch of silver. I need to give you a bunch of spices. I, I, I just need to give you a whole bunch of stuff. I know I'm losing you. You're not, you're not going to be able to work for me anymore. You're not going to be able to, to, to do anything for me anymore. But in, not only are, am I going to lose that, I want you to leave with a whole bunch of my stuff. Here it is. That's where all this stuff came from. And then God says, Now give out of that abundance. Now, let me tell you something. We may not think that it is, a, it is as, that miraculous where our money has come from. But it is no less than a gift from God. That's right. You say, oh, I work hard. Who gave you the ability to work hard? That's right. That's right. Man, I, I got this good job. Who gave you that good job? What, whatever reason you can say for why you have the stuff you have, Ultimately, if you trace it back far enough, guess what answer you come up with? God gave it to you. It, not, it may not be the same way Israel got their stuff, but you got it and it's all from God. And so you give out of that ability. Third thing I want you to see not only was it an offering of the willing and was it according to ability, but it was universal. Everybody gave something. Brother James, I don't know if the statistic is still true, but I know for a long time it has always been an 80-20 rule in churches pretty much. 20% of the people give 80% of the money. They give 80% of the funds to make the, to be, for the church to be able to do what they do. 20% of the people do it. This here, this was no 80-20 Everybody gave something. Everybody gave something. The princes, the people, the young, the old, the men and the women. This was a universal offering. Everybody gave something. No one had the attitude that somebody else, it was somebody else's responsibility to give. Well, you know what? They got more money than me. I'll let them take care of that ministry. I'll let them take care of that. No, they all said, no, this, this is my responsibility too. I know I'm going to give out of my ability, but it's my responsibility. And I'm going to give something to this. It may just be the wood, but I'm going to give the wood. It may just be this little bottle of oil that I have. But I'm going to give it. It may be this perfume that I've saved up for a year. But I'm going to give. They all gave something. Let let me give you a few reasons why it's important for every one of you to give something. Okay? You say, what are the reasons? Neil, I don't have very much. Why should I give a little? It's not going to make that big a difference. Let me give you three reasons why you should give something if you haven't been giving anything. Number one, your money goes where your heart goes. Your money goes where your heart goes. Giving is not just a means to provide the funds for ministry. Giving is also a reminder for you not to love your stuff. So God asks you to give as a means of disciplining you to not love the stuff you have. Yes, it's going to provide for ministry, but it's also going to sanctify you. So if you think you don't need to give, I would argue you are hurting your sanctification process. You are hurting your discipleship by not giving. Because in giving, you are reminded, you are conformed, you are transformed and reminded not to love my stuff. I'm going to give this. It's going to be a sacrifice. I know I'm not going to be able to have this if I give this, but I want to give this as a reminder also that I'm not to love this stuff. I may have it, but I'm not to love it. So I'm willing to give some of this up. Number two, it unites the church in ministry. I, I, I love, I mean, I was here when that gym was built. I was here when that gym was built. I was here when people bought these chairs. I love to think about that the people that come in here on Sunday morning and worship with me, bought a chair like I bought a chair. That's, that's a wonderful thing. I, you're in this like I'm in this. Now, you may have bought a lot more chairs than I did. You may have bought less chairs than I did. But guess what? We bought chairs. We were in this thing together. So now we come in here and we worship, and we sit on chairs that we all bought. We're all part of this thing. When Brother Dale comes and he tells us, here's what's going on in, in Mexico. I'd like to know. I had a hand in that. And you know what? You had a hand in that. We had a hand in what's going on in Mexico. We have a hand in what's going on in the Czech Republic. We have a hand in what's going on in Shands. We have a hand in what's going on on Wednesday nights. We we all have a hand in this. And so if we're all giving according to our ability, it may all be different, but if we're all giving, then there's a unity that we have around the ministry that the church does. And three, there is great pleasure in giving. It's good for you to give. If you're giving properly, then you're excited to give. It's not something that you, you you have to do. Like, oh gosh, I gotta go write this check to the church. Bless God. Like, we're excited to do it. I get to be a part of the gospel going forth and people being ministered to and discipleship and I get to be a part of that. I find great pleasure in that. There's this whole idea that somehow religion is supposed to be a burden. That, that having a relationship with Jesus is... And, and maybe it's because, you know, we take up our cross and it's hard and it's difficult. And, and, and that's all true. But just because it's hard and difficult doesn't mean you don't find great pleasure in it. Because we know it's good for us and it excites us to be a part. How have people died for their faith with a smile on their face? So it's an offering from the willing. It's an offering according to ability. It's a universal offering and it's an offering that was abundant for the work. Because they gave willingly, because they gave according to their ability, and because everybody gave something There was enough for the work and some. Verse 5 and 6, the people brought so much, more than enough for doing the work of the Lord. Moses gave the command, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution of the sanctuary. They gave so much, and so often, they had to be told to stop giving. You're bringing too much. We've got more than enough. Can you imagine something like that happening at Calvary Hill? Can you imagine Brother James getting up here and saying, I have a message today? The title of that message is Stop Giving. We've got too much. You say... How how did they get to the place where they had so much? How did they get to the place where they had abundant work for the ministry that God had called them to do? How, How would we as Calvary Hill get to the place where we've got money to do anything God calls us to do? How is that possible? I think it starts with being a thankful people, a grateful people, who then become a willful people who are zealous and passionate for giving. And then we start giving according to our ability. From, from our blessings, from our prosperity, from how God has blessed us. And everybody gives. Everybody gives. And when that happens, we'll have all the money we need for anything we want to do. Anything God moves in our heart to be a part of, a, a part of or any ministry that God wants us to do, anything that we want to fund, this church would have the money to do it if we all gave from generous, willing hearts according to our ability, and if everybody gave. It's really not that hard. I mean, Brother James, you know, there's times where Brother James will preach a message, and he'll go, this is one of those messages not difficult to understand. Maybe difficult to do, not hard to understand. If everybody here would be grateful and thankful, everybody in our church, those watching at home, if we'd all be thankful and grateful the way we should be, we'd be passionate for giving. If we gave sacrificially from our abundance and if everybody gave, we would have more than enough to do whatever God calls us to do. Anytime Brother Ernie gave a call and said, Brother James, we really need this. We got it. Got it. We got it for you. Don't don't you worry about it. Melissa calls from the check and says, hey, um, we're doing this special thing. I I need I need two thousand more dollars. Oh, we got it. No problem. Ruben Aliosa calls from the Philippines. We had another typhoon. Our churches got wiped out. Our homes got wiped out. We need $10,000. Don't worry about it, Calvary Hill. We got you. And you think, well, there's no way we can do that. If if we would just do these principles, we would. I know some churches crunch the numbers and they do something like this. They said, if everybody in our church gave 2% of their income, we'd have more money than we know what to do with. Now, I don't know if that's exactly the percentage here in the church. I'm not a math guy, okay? But all I know is that everybody in this church started applying these principles to their lives, we'd have more money for ministry, for giving, to help in anything that God has moved in our hearts to do. So where is your heart? Is it full of thanksgiving for what the Lord has given you? Here's the thing, I thought about this long and hard and I I typed it up and then I deleted it and then I typed it again and I deleted it and I'm like, do I want to say it this way? Do I not want to say it this way? It is easy for us to fool ourselves into thinking we're grateful and thinking that we are a thankful person. And then you say, well, how do I tangibly know if that's true. Are you a generous person? If you're not a generous person, I would argue you're not really grateful. You're not really thankful. You fooled yourself into thinking you're thankful and grateful, but if you're not generous, then you're not really thankful and grateful. I want to end today with sharing some scientific research that has been done. I find it really, really interesting when science just proves stuff the Bible's been saying all along. Over the past 20 years, two decades, there has been a great deal of research done on gratitude. Like, what? They're doing scientific research on gratitude? Yeah, they're doing scientific research on gratitude. There have been some landmark papers that have been written. One by Robert Emmons, one by Michael McCullough. Other psychologists and neurologists have have written papers on gratitude and the mind. In recent years, we've learned that there is a deep neurological connection between gratitude and giving. Gratitude and giving share the same pathways in your brain. So the same parts of your brain that get pleasure out of getting are the same neuropathways that get pleasure out of giving. It literally, the same part of the brain processes both of those things, giving and receiving. And here's what's interesting. It's connected to another part of the brain that releases the the chemicals for pleasure. And here's what they found, that the people who are more grateful for the receiving are also the people who are more generous in the giving. They have scientifically been able to look at our brains and how our brains function. And the people that are more thankful are the people who give more. And they get more pleasure out of both. One of the studies they did is they gave money to two groups of people. And they told them, you can give as little or as much money to Charitable organizations over the next three-week period. Here's this money. We want you to use it for charitable organizations, but we're not going to make you. Here's the money. Then what they did, the variable. Remember, they, in, in scientific research, they always have a variable, right? Where one group does one thing that's different than the other group. And so here was the variable. One group, every day, had to write down their blessings and their, um, the things they were thankful for in a journal. Every single day. The other group didn't have to do that. Okay, so you had one group given money to give to charitable organizations, but they are required every day to write down all the things they're grateful for. The other group, given the same amount of money, given the same instructions, we want you to give this to charitable organizations, didn't write it down. And here's what the study found. That the group that was journaling their gratitude and their blessings received more joy from giving their their money than the group that didn't. They concluded that people who are grateful get more pleasure out of getting and more pleasure out of giving and ultimately give more. Now, here's why psychologically and neurologically that's true. Because they felt better when they did it, right? So just from a a physical standpoint, because they're writing down the things they're thankful for, they want to give more because it makes them feel better to give. It was a pleasure thing, right? Right? It was a pleasure thing. I, I, I love the way this feels that they gave me this money and I'm writing down all the things I'm thankful for and I'm looking at those and I'm like, wow, I am so blessed. This is so wonderful and I've got this money and then they gave this money and it, it releases chemicals in their body that makes them feel good. They get pleasure from getting this money. Then the next day they write more down and pleasure from thinking about all of their blessings and then they're, they, they're excited. They're like, I, I want to give more because it feels good to give and they give more and they get more pleasure. It was a physiological reaction. This is what they've been studying. They've been studying that this is how our brains work. Now, I would argue that there is nothing wrong. That's the way God made us. He made us to find pleasure in getting and giving. This is the way he's designed us. And so when we don't do this, we're actually not living up to the design that God has for us. So, so this idea of thanks and giving, this is not just some spiritual concept that is separated from any kind of physical reality. This is a psychological, spiritual, physical, physiological, neurological, psychological, did I say psychological? Psychological reality in us. We have been made this way in our totality. And when we are stingy, and we're not thankful, and we're not grateful, and we're not generous, we will not find the pleasure that we're supposed to find in life. So I think we need to ask ourselves, am I grateful? Am I thankful? Follow. Look at these principles that we've looked at today and go and be full of pleasure in your receiving.